Well, we wanna praise God for the things that he's been doing this morning, and whether you're following us online or you're here in person, we just praise God for the way that he's moving in uh, difficult days. And yet God's not off the throne, he's not done and he's not finished. And as we've heard from Raymond and we've heard, uh, as we've you know, been testifying through our worship, God is moving amongst us. And uh, this is not only um, his purpose, but it's also our desire, and so we praise him for that. It was August 2015 and we had taken a team down to Costa Rica and as we landed on the ground, there were two things that happened within the first 36 hours that, have, that profoundly impacted me and to this day have left an impression upon my heart. The first thing was that when we got off the plane, I remember the sweltering heat. And I remember thinking to myself, um, I'm not sure I'm gonna make it for 10 days or however long it was we were there um, through this heat. And so God, would you please take care of us? I, ca- I cried out to him. The next day we had traveled two and a half hours uh, northeast of San Jose and when we arrived in La Lydia and and got on the ground, I remember getting out of the van and thinking, wow, is it hot. Our job that week was to put together or to build a community center or, or a ministry hub that the Jimenez family, whom we know and love down there, would use um, to sort of execute or to deliver their ministries from. And I remember we had shovels in hand and on the first day, as we started to clear the ground, something uh, amazing happened. The skies opened up and, and literally torrential or, or hurricane force uh, a rain started to fall and, and we just had to step aside and let it, it do its thing for about half an hour. And I remember we were discouraged at the time but in the hours and days that followed, we started to realize what God had done in that moment and that was that he had taken the edge off of the heat He took care of the heat so that we could get our job done that week and so that the the task could get mostly finished. We we finished to about uh, the 95th uh, percent mark by the end of that week and stood in amazement of what God had done. The second thing that happened is uh, you can imagine when rains come down like that, the the muck and the mire and the mud that was created and so for, uh, you know, that day anyways, uh, we really, uh, you know, we're almost up to our knees in mud in the middle of this uh, rainforest. And, and we worked in that, and, and at the end of the day, I remember uh, being offended, not by my teammates, but by my own uh, sort of odor or smell uh, that had accumulated that day. And I remember thinking, if I get into the van to go back to our motel smelling like this, I'm gonna offend a lot of people. Most, you know, the person probably the most was my wife, Ralna, who was down there with us. And so I took my shoes off and it was like, oh, like the odor of roadkill. And I put them on a bench and I took off like a hoodie or a jacket or something and I put it on the bench and I left it and didn't think anything more of it. And I remember coming back the next day and stepping out of the van and just, my breath was taken away. There on the bench were my shoes. There was my jacket, freshly washed and laundered, and my shoes looked like they were brand new again. And I remember looking at Herson, humbly, very humbly, and saying to him, what happened? Who did this? And behind Herson was his wife, uh, Rocio. Herson didn't understand English well or at all at that time, but Rocio, who to this day is, you know, tries to convince us she doesn't know uh, English well, it understands it very well. Rocio looked at us with a soft, gentle smile. And I remember thinking that God had provided refreshment for our bodies in the rain, but Rocio, uh, as an instrument of God, had provided refreshment to our hearts. 
and it really impacted the, the ministry and the service and the way that we sort of came together as a team and came together with that family and served out through the rest of that week. If you have your Bibles, friends, I would encourage you to open them to John chapter 12. If you're following online on the Church Online platform, there's a button that you can click there. Uh, to, uh, there's a Bible button that you can click and it'll pull up an online Bible for you. But if you're here in person, I'd encourage you to open your Bible and, and follow along. I'd also encourage you, if you have your device, that uh, we would encourage you to use that. Uh, but we wanna take just a few moments, the few moments we have left, to talk through sort of the final virtue in the series that we've been working through called Words to Live By. And we're gonna focus in on the word of service. This has been an awesome series, and if you've missed us, I would encourage you to go back um, through either our website, udac.ca, to follow the messages that have been shared, or go to our YouTube channel and, uh, and spend some time watching the services that are archived there. Uh, but the premise of this series has been that there have been four, and now this morning, five words that we consider to be sort of virtues of the Christian faith. Words that we can live by that hopefully will change us and impact us inside of our heart, but indeed that as we live them out through us, uh, Jesus will use them to show other people his light and his love and his transformational work in our lives. The challenge of this series has been to adopt one of these words and embrace it for the next season of our life to live differently in the spaces and places that Jesus has us living in. And so at the end of this service, I'm gonna challenge you and invite you to consider what is your word that the Holy Spirit has laid upon your heart to live out in these days? And so we'll follow along, or you can follow along as I read this passage, John chapter 12, starting in verse one. Let's read through this, and then we're gonna spend just a few moments, not long this morning, but just a few moments, to flesh out some values or some principles of service as we desire to serve like Jesus and live differently for him. John chapter 12, starting in verse one. Let's read this together. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had just raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor, and Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclined at the table with him. And then Mary took out a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of this perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor, he asked. It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you but you will not always have me. Friends, we wanna take just a few moments, the few moments we have remaining in our service time today, and we wanna flesh out what it means to serve. Not a complete summary or analysis of biblical service, but really just three principles that hopefully we can emphasize this week and that will shape how we serve, both here in the church, but probably more specifically, how we serve in our communities. And so we're gonna start with this. The first posture of biblical service or biblical servanthood is to play the long game. It's to make a long-term investment into the spots that Jesus has placed us. You know, the reality was on this day that Jesus wasn't just walking through town making a political statement. 
He didn't show up for the, the quick handshake or the selfie. He didn't show up to give the regal wave as he paraded through town. These were people whom Jesus dearly loved. These were people who Jesus had spent time with. These were people who had just experienced the touch of God in the raising of Lazarus through Jesus, and in doing so, uh, they had a shared experience. They had a relationship that brought them to a spot where they were, were spending time and celebrating this miracle together. If you look at verse two here, it says, when the, when the dinner was given in Jesus' honor, while Martha served, Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. It's an important posture because what it speaks to is the relationship and the dynamic that they shared in establishing a long-term relationship in serving and in being together. And I think it's important that we know Jesus wasn't just seated at the table. He was reclining at the table. He was enjoying time with them. He was most definitely speaking into their lives, speaking over their lives, uh, considering them and considering their story and where they were at, and then working with them to lead them forward in their own journey with Jesus and their relationship with God. And I think this is such an important value when it comes to serving and serving both here in the church and serving in our communities because there's value in what Jesus does over the long term or the long stretch of time. Listen, for sure, Jesus does great things in a moment. Jesus does great things in a day or great things in, in even a month, but if we can consider the places that he's called us to and invited us into, and if we can look at a long-term commitment to hopefully make a difference in Jesus' name for his glory and for our joy, I think we're gonna discover uh, that there is a blessing that comes that far outweighs the quick moment or the quick hour. You know, friends, in, in pastoral ministry, the average life of a pastor, a senior pastor, is three to five years. Ours has been here now for 23. The average life of a youth pastor is one and a half years. Ours has been here for over seven. And while there, God can do amazing things in just a moment, when you look at the long-term careers of pastors who stick around for five, 10, 15, 20, 25 years, even beyond if God blesses in that way, there is transformational work that takes place. There's a profound blessing. There is, there is a, a relationship that's established. There's restoration that comes. There is redemption that comes. There's healing. There's a work that happens in the church, in the community, in the lives of God's people, and in the lives of those who don't yet know him. And, and God does great things in short seasons. There's no question. But when we look at the long-term effects of a long-term serve, Honestly, the blessings that come far outweighs, the, far outweighs the quick moment or the quick hour. And so the first value in serving, in serving like Jesus did is to consider the long haul. And hear me when I say, not only will we just see the work of God in front of us, but we will experience that blessing too as we step into relationship with those whom we serve and those uh, who we come alongside of. Value number one, or posture number one, is to play the long game. Posture number two comes in the way that we serve uh, those around us. And I want us to look, continue to look at this passage um, starting in verse three. An important posture that Mary assumes here 
and that becomes a reflection of what Jesus was to do uh, in, in, the, in the days to come. It says, then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it onto Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Mary is worshiping Jesus in this spot. Back in the previous verse, or previous chapter rather, uh, Jesus has raised her brother from the dead. She had gone to Jesus and, and she had asked him to come. And, and in, in his sovereignty and in his way, he wasn't able to come in that moment. But when he finally does come, Mary comes to him and, and basically pleads with him. And Jesus was moved. And when he's moved, he comes and he does a miracle uh, in the life of Lazarus and in the life of this family. And in response to that, Mary comes and bows at his feet and worships him. And similarly, friends, when we serve in our communities, our service should become a humble response of the incredible work that Jesus has done for us. He laid his life down for us. He hung on the cross for us. He dealt with our sin condition in a way that never could have been accomplished. It never could have been done. It never would have been finished unless it happened in that way where Jesus humbled himself and hung on a cross to deal with the mess and sin in our lives. And as he did that, our lives, as we just experienced and we just practice, become a response to him. Our lives become that song that we just sang, where we pour ourselves out for Jesus in humble and beautiful and responsible ways. The propensity of the Western church has been that oftentimes we've gone into the different uh, spaces and places where we serve sort of, sort of as the experts. We sort of have run roughshod over the, the communities where we serve and we get the job done quickly, we come in, we come out, and then we move on to the next thing. And yes, Jesus moves in these moments, but friends, hear me when I say that oftentimes when we come in quickly or we come in as the experts or we come in uh, with some brass, we can sometimes do more damage to the situation than if we come in with a humble spirit. And God loves to work with a humble person. He loves to move in us. He loves to, to work through us, and it comes with a posture that reflects Jesus. I've been so proud of our teams as we've gone to Costa Rica and then come back home and live differently because I, I really believe that those teams that went and we were supposed to send a team this summer and obviously couldn't because of COVID and had to recently just say that that trip has been canceled. Uh, I've been so proud of our teams and this team would have done the same who have gone down to link arms with those families and with those people and just said rather than just doing it our way, let's link arms together and go on a journey. I believe that this has brought the highest measures of blessing. And it's fed into the relationships. It's, it's blessed and it's moved and it's, it's, it's allowed us to this day to have a relationship with people down there where numbers of people from our church on sometimes a weekly basis will get messages through WhatsApp and our phones start to ding as they send us pictures and, and they allow us to continue to participate in the ministry and life transformation that takes place there. And it started with a posture of going down saying, we are not the experts, but rather we wanna come alongside of you and we wanna help, we wanna grow, we wanna learn and we're gonna do it together. The realities of those serves is, has been that oftentimes we haven't got all of the work done. We finished 95% of the job, we finished 90% of the job, but that's not a failure and that's not a mistake. 
the greater work that was accomplished was that there was a mutual empowerment to continue the work of God, both in Costa Rica and back here in southern Alberta. And it's changed people. Posture number two. Posture number two is is that we must serve with a spirit of humility. And humility in Jesus' name so often sets us on a path that leads us towards true service. And as we practice it, Jesus invites us to embrace and journey together. Well, the final posture that I want to highlight this morning is something that we see at the end of this verse. And if you look down, you'll remember as we read this together that Judas was upset that this money wasn't sold, or that this perfume wasn't sold, and that they didn't use the money for the poor. And we can see the intention in his heart, or we can see the shape of his heart, as, as really the scripture tells us, John tells us that he had ill intention as, as he wanted to bring that money in, but as, 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 as a means of response. Jesus replies here and points uh, Judas and Mary and Lazarus and Martha and the others in that room towards the bigger picture of what he's doing. He says in verse eight, you will not always have the the poor among you, but you will always have me. And so the final posture is that we need to keep a kingdom mindset as we serve in the spaces that Jesus invites us to be. And and as we look out into our community, we see that there's all sorts of great organizations that we can can serve with and be a part of, but as we do, we have to remember that that, um, we are serving in Jesus' name that we don't just go in with our own selfish ambition trying to achieve the things that we believe need to be accomplished. We go in and we pray and we ask and we say with open hands, Jesus, what would you have me do? Jesus, how would you have me serve? Jesus, what would you have me say? Jesus, where would you have me go? And as we go to different spots in our community, and I wanna suggest that, you know, the, 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 the field or the opportunities are almost wide open that as we go and serve in our communities, that, that there's an opportunity to be an ambassador or a representative of, of Jesus in those places and to, to move in the ways that he's leading us to move. You know, Jesus suggests that Mary has wasted this perfume, but Jesus saw what she was doing and, and, he, and he, he revealed to them the bigger kingdom reality and the bigger kingdom picture of what was taking place. And as she worshiped him, and as that aroma filled the room and for sure would have drawn others in to worship Jesus as well, so too do we have opportunities to go and sit at the feet of Jesus and and worship him through our service. And the reality is, is that people are gonna come alongside of us and say, you have no business going there. Or you have no business doing that. Or you have no business uh, engaging in that way. But what Jesus says to us is that out of an act of worship, I invite you to come and not only sit at my feet, but serve my people. And so we look at the, 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 at the invitation that's in front of us, and we look at the things that are laid upon our heart, and I would invite us, friends, to consider what is the kingdom realities of the spaces and places that Jesus is inviting us into. It might be that as we serve at the soup kitchen, or we serve in our schools, or, or we, we serve uh, our families, that Jesus just invites us to pray. It might be that, that we uh, go and we live out these words and these virtues that, that Pastor Scott and now myself this morning have led us into and, and we live with gratitude and honor. We live with integrity. We live uh, with loyalty. And as we do, the light of Christ will shine through us and it will prompt people to ask questions about what it is that's different around us.
the kingdom reality or the, the kingdom mindset that we might need to practice is that we paint fresh pictures of Jesus into a world that's become disillusioned with a faith that, that they think is all about power and all about money. But in actuality, we can paint into a different light and show them it's about relationship. Relationship with one another and relationship with Jesus. And so let me just go through these quickly again. The first practice is that we play the long game. The second practice is that we, we serve with a humble spirit. And the third practice, or the third posture, is that we king, keep a kingdom mindset and remember and consider that Jesus has placed us into spaces and places and he's inviting us and he's inviting, uh, he's inviting us to lead others into a deeper relationship with him. Honor, loyalty, integrity, gratitude, and now service. Friends, I really believe that Jesus is inviting us to hold on to one of these own, or one of these virtues in our own lives, and as we do, may I suggest that we, we practice this for the next season of life. And I don't know what that means for you. I'm not gonna stand in front of you and, and tell you that it has to be for a week or a, or a month. I'm not gonna tell you that it has to be till Christmas. I'm not gonna tell you what the next season, how long the next season is, but I'm going to say to us, and I'm gonna invite us to, to listen during this last song and, and hear the, the gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit and whatever it is, that, that word that gets laid upon our heart to embrace it as our own and to live it out and to practice it and to put it on display for people around us, not for our own glorification, but for the glory of Jesus and for the joy of our heart. These are words to live by. Can I promise you, because I've been experiencing it in recent days, that God's doing fresh work in my heart and my life, as I've been trying to live out the word gratitude. And I won't get into the story because I don't want it to reflect on me, but just this past week, was able to send an email to a community leader who's made a difference in the heart of our family or in the life of our family and in the life of our community. And I just said thanks. And I'm surprised at the reaction that came back. It was extremely positive. And it's brought deep peace and deep joy to my soul as I've been living in this. And so I want to invite you to do the same. I want to invite you to consider what it is that God's putting on your heart and then to live in it, friends to know the freedom of living for Jesus, to know the joy of praising his name, and to know the posture of a word to live by. Let's join the worship team and let's sing together.